Gar and I, as you know, as we sit here together and, and talk about this, we, we understand accountability and we are accountable for what this team did this year. We don't run away from it. We accept it. Uh, that's that's on us. Locked on Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Your number one source for Chicago Bulls news and stories. For me to be here in the NBA organization, such a historic organization that Chicago Bulls, so it's just a dream come true for me. Live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. This is going to be a process. It doesn't, you'll snap your fingers and it all happens at once, but um, that's the plan moving forward. So kick back, relax, and get ready for the best hour of your day. Locked on Bulls starts now. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. What's up and welcome into Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We're live on Dash Radio, dashradio.com and the Dash Radio app. On the Nothing But Net channel, we're live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. I'm your host, Jordan Malley, writer of Bulls Basketball and the NBA at FanRag Sports and College Hoops over at SB Nation. Along with me is Matt Peck, writer of Bulls Basketball and the NBA at FanRag Sports and the host of the 312 show on AM 1590 WCGO in Chicago. Follow us on social media on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked on Bulls. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Locked on Bulls, and subscribe to the show on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and anywhere you find podcasts, you will find us. Make sure you're following the Locked on Podcast Network on Facebook and Twitter as well. 331-979-1369 is our line to text and call. Leave all of your voicemails, your text messages, any questions you have for us, comments on the show, anything you want to you bring to our attention. Attention, send it over there to us at 331-979-1369. Like we said yesterday on the show, we are doing a whole entire mock draft and mock analysis for the Locked On Podcast Network over the next 10 days leading up to the NBA draft. Tons of really great content over on Locked On NBA show. So that's from all 30 teams around the NBA and all the local experts, just like Matt and I here for the Chicago Bulls. So if you're interested to hear what any of those guys have to say about their picks or what they think they're going to do in the draft, the trades. There's so much going on right now with the Lockdown Podcast Network mock, and it's going to be awesome. So we, we said yesterday that we were going to do a Reddit AMA, AMA tomorrow, and the time is 2 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Central Time. So if you want to hop on there, we're going to be there with picks 7 through 13, so that'll include us. Today is 1 through 6, so we're going to see all the first six picks and any of those teams that are going to have questions about who they picked in the draft. So that's going to be a lot of fun. So make sure you go to the NBA Reddit page. So it's reddit.com slash NBA. It should be pinned at the top of the profile tomorrow afternoon too when you go there. So you'll be able to click on it right away and you can see us interacting with other teams as well. Questions that are being sent from people on Reddit as well as we want you to be a part of the conversation. So if you want to be a part of the live AMA that we're doing on Reddit tomorrow, that'll be at 2 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Central time and of course our episode is going to play alongside a lot of the other picks that are happening tomorrow and that's on locked on nba so make sure you're subscribed to that show as well one last little note for you guys we're still doing our giveaway still accepting entries entries for our dennis rodman giveaway so if you want to do that oh jordan i just got it in the mail yesterday it is so beautiful 
really yeah. i'm excited i, I looked it at the just picture. to make sure that everything was fine and it wasn't damaged or anything and the you know the authenticity sticker was there and everything and i unwrapped it and i was like i have to put this back in its packaging immediately before i keep it for myself and hang it on my wall it is so <laughs> nice so if you want to enter to win that all you have to do is leave us an itunes review or your favorite podcast provider i know stitcher allows you to do it google play allows you to do it uh, if there's anywhere else that we're unaware of that you can leave us a review send that into us you can text us your review at 331-979-1369 if you just take a screenshot leave us that review Send us your favorite moment about Dennis Rodman or what you liked about him or what made him so special to those 90s teams. So all you have to do takes 30 seconds. You can email it to us at LockedOnBulls at gmail.com or once again, like I said, 331-979-1369. We'll receive those texts as well. Going to pick a winner on Friday, so you still have a couple days to enter if you have not done that yet. We've had a ton of submissions already, and it's really cool to kind of see all the people's different reactions to Dennis Rodman, what they loved about him and his game back in the 90s. So continue to do that if you haven't entered already, and we'll draw a winner on Friday. But Matt, what's going on? I know we've got some Bulls news to wrap up uh, to start the show and some housekeeping things to go through as far as the Bulls go, some reports, some rumors, and then we're going to do mailbag for the final two segments of the show. But how you doing? What's going on? What's up, Jordan? What's up, Bulls Nation? I'm doing all right. Uh, You know, Wednesday, hump day, working my way through the week. I am, however, totally stoked about the World Cup. Finally, starting tomorrow, kicking off. The first game is kind of uh, like Russia versus Saudi Arabia, I think is the kickoff game, of course, with the host nation getting the first game of the Cup. Uh, but it's going to be a great distraction for me being so sick of all the draft talk and having another week of waiting to get to the NBA draft. Because now that the NBA season is over, the NHL season is over, we also got the U.S. Open in golf coming up this weekend. It's going to be a nice, fun weekend that has plenty of distractions because I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm not alone in being burnt out on draft talk. Like, we're going to do some more draft talk. We got the fun AMA tomorrow, and I'm excited for that. But I feel like as long ago as the season ended, there's just been so much draft talk for Bulls fans. And I'm just, it's its going to be nice to have some distractions. I don't know about you, I am a diehard soccer fan, so I'm looking forward to the World Cup this weekend and uh, also seeing if Tiger can do anything in the U.S. Open. Yeah, I'm excited for sports this weekend, too, as well. I'm not the biggest soccer fan in the world, grew on it in college, but I am excited for the World Cup, and it should be fun, obviously, with the USA not being in the World Cup, did not qualify. Still would be fun to watch, and it's going to be one of the most watched events this summer, so it should be a lot of fun to watch that. I'm with you, though, on the draft talk, man. It's I know we do it here every day, and that's why we try to, to piecemeal and uh, to integrate other topics for Bulls fans because let's be honest here like as much draft talk as we can do on this show more likely than not nobody knows where people are going and you you can say that you know somebody and you can say that you really like somebody but really you got to take that everything with a grain of salt when you're reading these reports when you're listening to podcasts and at the end of the day like you, I just look back at last year's draft in general and how many people missed on so many of these prospects like Donovan Mitchell and Lowry Markkinen. All of these talks sometimes get overstimulated and, and there's so much content out there for people to read and write. I think it gets oversaturated at times and 
that kind of plays into the factor that I think that's when draft stocks drop and rise because of the oversaturation of content out there. So I'm with you, though. I, I'm just ready for the NBA draft to be here and to figure out who the Bulls are going to be selecting at number seven and number 22. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm here to talk, still talk about prospects as well. So if anybody wants to talk about uh, somebody that they may like or somebody that the Bulls worked out, you can hit us up at 331-979-1369. I wanted to get into a couple Bulls notes because there were a couple things on David Nwaba and Zach Levine. Let's start with David Nwaba. So there's a report out there that David Nwaba was going to sign a new agent. He, in fact, did. His new agent is Charles Briscoe. Charles Briscoe is a, I would say, a smaller agent. He owns his own company at Briscoe Sports Management. He is a agent to two other Bulls players, Justin Holiday being one of them, and Jarrell Eddy, who plays for the Windy City Bulls and has been up and down with the Bulls this season. Uh, agent to both of those guys, David Nwaba signed with him. So uh, do you get anything from this, from David Nwaba signing a new agent? Is this maybe some conflict conflict with his past agent and maybe the amount of money he thinks he's going to get this summer? Um, could be just a fresh start. Do you take any way, anything away from this when a guy going into restricted free agent or free agency decides to change? change his agents um, not even a mo- less than a month before free agency really hits yeah you never really get the full story when players change agencies unless it's something that is such big or crazy news that it goes you know nationwide uh, you know Jimmy changed his, Jimmy Baller changed his agent I think last year or the year before um, and we never really got the full story there either uh, in Nawaba's case I don't know a whole lot about this uh, Charles Briscoe guy. He, you know, he has a couple other NBA clients, but nobody like super big name. But I mean, the the logical breakdown of what's going on is that he knows for an undrafted guy, he had a great season, and he might be the the most valuable undrafted restricted free agent coming into this this summer of free agency. So maybe he just wanted to change things up and make sure that he was confident that he had the best representation sitting down with him at that negotiating table because he knows that the Bulls do want to keep him, but he knows that he earned himself a legitimate contract. Um, I saw it was in part of, I believe it was today's Q&A from Casey Johnson in the Trib. That was one of the questions addressed about Nawab's contract and what kind of range they might be looking at. And Casey said something around like three years, 15 million. So, you know, I'm guessing that Nawaba and his side of the table were probably looking for something a little bit more than that, maybe closer to like seven or eight million per. And the Bulls are going to try to keep it, uh, you know, uh, to a to a more reasonable level, but would ideally like to keep Nawaba in town on a multi-year deal. So and of course, the other factor here, and this doesn't necessarily have to do a lot with Nawaba's agent, but just how things might shake out is who the Bulls draft. And if they draft another wing or if they draft another combo wing, small forward slash shooting guard, their desire and their need to keep Nwaba might subside a bit. That being said, I don't think Nwaba is going to get any kind of crazy offers from from other teams this offseason because there aren't a lot of teams with cap space and teams with cap space have bigger needs and, and, and bigger eyes for bigger targets than David Nwaba. Yeah, just some of the some of the teams that I have been reading about that might be interested in David Nwaba, one being 90, 90 minutes north of us in Milwaukee, being a part of their bench in that second unit. Uh, seems like Bucks fans and Bucks writers up there 
are using David Nwaba's restricted free agency as one of their main targets this summer. A few other teams, too, that might be looking to contend, looking to strengthen their bench in that second unit. I think that's where the Bulls might run into a little bit of trouble uh, with the price being driven up a little bit. Is some of these competitive teams, like you had said, that don't have a whole ton of cap space, I think still are going to try and get some of these guys that are probably going to make on a multi-year deal five to ten million dollars per. I don't know if David Nawab is going to get all the way to ten million dollars per, uh, but I would I would suspect that David Nawab is probably going to get a multi-year contract anywhere between four and eight million dollars per year. You think that's too expensive for the Bulls to spend on a guy that had a breakout sophomore year and they took a chance on last summer after selling off the pick for $3.5 million. And we know that part of the reason why they did that was to free up a roster space in order to, and they kind of used David Nwaba as that saying, you know, well, if we didn't trade that second round pick and we didn't open up uh, roster flexibility, David Nwaba would have never been on this roster. So I don't know if, if they decide to let David Nwaba walk because he's going to be too expensive. If another team is driving up the price on him, um, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be, sad if he if he left because of that cap space but I think the Bulls should make every effort every effort possible to try and re-sign David Nwabi because I think he's been been an important part to what Fred Hoiberg wants to do with that second unit and if we're talking about defensive players and guys that are sort of gritty and coming in with a lot of energy David Nwabi certainly serves that purpose and uh, losing a guy especially with building up his confidence all season long I think would be would be a disservice to this Bulls team and looking at what you're trying to do here. But certainly if, if the price gets outrageous, I think I would, I would pass on it. Yeah. I think, you know, that's, that's perfectly reasonable. I think I'm with you there. As far as that range, you said, you know, somewhere between four and 8 million per, I, you know, if the Bulls can get him on a, on a three year deal, paying him four or 5 million a year, I definitely think that's uh, a contract that the Bulls should, should absolutely sign. I think, Behind Lowry Market and David Nwaba was the second best ple- pe- peasant, the second best pleasant surprise that the Bulls had this season, and especially if he's putting in work in the offseason to develop a bit more of an offensive game. Obviously, a guy who knows where his limits are on the offensive end of the ball and doesn't try to do too much. But if he could develop some kind of mid-range to long-range shot, in addition to what he has in his arsenal right now, as a guy who runs the floor well has good court vision, makes strong cuts to the basket, and then, of course, on the flip side, plays great aggressive defense. That's a guy who's absolutely worth a three-year deal where you're paying him $5 million per. Another option could be if Nwaba wants a little bit more money per year for the Bulls to offer him maybe a three-year deal with a team option on that third year, and instead of four or five, they pay him eight or nine. Um, so I think those are probably the two most likely outcomes as far as how the Bulls would want to go about those negotiations. And again, and we'll, you know, we'll see what, what his new agent Briscoe is whispering in his ear. We'll see what Nwaba and his new representation think he's worth and if it's in the same bar- ballpark as the Bulls front office. But again, as you said, I mean, you mentioned Milwaukee. There might be a couple other teams that would love to add Nwaba as a, as a bench role player on a contending team. We'll, you know, we'll we'll have to wait until July first rolls around to see what kind of whispers and rumors are going around as far as people who are interested in getting him an offer sheet. Um, but grand scheme, yes, it would it would be nice to see the Bulls retain Nuaba because I think he is a good young player. But you're not going to break the bank for him. absolutely. And I don't think it's in the, the end of the world if some team wants to pay him eight to ten to twelve million dollars per over a multi year deal. I don't think it's the end of the world if they get if he ends up going somewhere else. 
And also, too, you brought up a really good point. Depending on what the Bulls do at number 22 and maybe even at number seven, uh, you look at the factors that maybe they take Mikael Bridges at number seven and then they decide to go with a combo guard like you were talking about. Maybe somebody like Lonnie Walker who can play the two or the three or Dante DiVincenzo from Villanova as well who can play the two or the three. I, I think if they draft somebody like that at number 22 who's kind of a combo guard can still play the three. I think that's more of a telling sign that they maybe will be less aggressive in re-signing David Nwaba. But if they decide to take a big man or a guy that plays the three, like Michael Porter Jr., or you take somebody like Wendell Carter Jr. at seven, and then they decide to go with a wing, like maybe like Chandler Hutchison at number 22, then maybe you might see the Bulls be a little bit more aggressive for David Nwaba uh, in this free agency class coming up. So just keep that in mind when you're thinking about David Nwaba. All right. Uh, other piece of news, too, before we get to mailbag. There was an interesting, I guess I, I don't even, wouldn't even call it a report. I would just say it was something that was brought up on a podcast about Zach Levine. You want to go into detail a little bit more about that? Yeah, so this was from uh, Shams uh, of NBA Yahoo. And uh, it was their, you know, one of their Yahoo NBA podcasts, Shams Taranya. Um And he basically was talking about a couple interesting restrictive reagents this summer, Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon in Orlando, and what their respective teams that hold their rights would do in the event that they were offered a max contract from a different team. And he said what he's been hearing is that both the Bulls and the Magic would match a max offer for Gordon and uh, and for Levine in the Bulls case. Now, again, like as you said, this wasn't a report. This was just Shams on his podcast saying, what I've been hearing is, yeah, the Bulls would match. But that's not really a whole lot of new info or even new intel because basically we've heard the same thing from the Bulls front office. They haven't come out and said it exactly. If another team offers Levine the max, yes, we'll sign it. We plan to keep him around. But they've pretty much hinted at that, that their plan is to keep Levine around and that you know, if he is, if he does happen to go sign an offer sheet, that they'll most likely match it. Um, to me, it's a non-starter and it's a non-issue because the likelihood of a team other than the Bulls offering Levine a contract so large and max or close to max that isn't the Bulls is essentially zero. Because you're talking about a guy who only played 20-some games coming off a torn ACL and didn't look all that great in those 20-some games. Which teams, and again, very few teams have the money to do so this offseason, are looking at Zach Levine and saying, that's our guy. That's the missing piece. That's the guy we're going to throw as much of, of our remaining cap space as we have at. To me, it doesn't matter. If there's some new report slash rumor that's saying, oh, the Bulls will match any max offers thrown at Zach Levine, don't worry yourself. Don't give yourself some gray hairs thinking about it because he's not getting any max offers this summer. Period. End of story. I think you're right about this. And just a couple of teams just to bring up real quick in case case it ends up happening where teams are involved and they might want to sign Zach Levine, drive the price up and maybe sign him to a max contract. There's only like a handful of teams out there with legitimate cap space and are eyeing maybe up a young player to try and develop. Some of these teams that have max space are going to try and make moves to open up one or maybe two max contract 
max contracts in order to sign players, those are going to be teams that are looking to sign guys like LeBron. And if they want to be in play for maybe DeMarcus Cousins or some of these other uh, other top-tier free agents, I think teams are going to overlook really what Zach Levine is looking like. But uh, just to throw a couple names out there, Atlanta Hawks are one team that has nearly $30 million in cap space coming up this summer. The 76ers have nearly $30 million in cap space. The Lakers could project have nearly $60 million, depending on what they do in free agency and what they do as far as their roster goes, what they do with Julius Randle. So that'll be interesting as well. Sacramento Kings have a decent amount of money to spend, but not nearly uh, enough for a max contract with $24 million on their books. And the Dallas Mavericks are another one with about $23.8 million. So the Bulls have actually the second most cap space coming into this summer with about $41.5 million. This is also um, talking about this is hold, withholding all of the uh, the cap holds until guys like Levine are signed or other restricted free agents that are on the Bulls. So out of those five teams, the Kings, the Mavericks, the Hawks, the 76ers, and the Lakers, I don't really see any of those teams interested in Zach Levine. Maybe, just maybe the Atlanta Hawks. If Dude, they just- half, the teams, the, half the teams you just rattled off are making LeBron James and or Paul George their top priority in free agency. Zach Levine is nowhere in sight for them. Well, could Zach Levine be somebody that if they swing and miss and one of those teams doesn't land him? Are you that? That's a worse consolation prize than Carlos Boozer. Come on now. <laughs> Oh, man, that's so true. Um, But yeah, so just to give Bulls fans a perspective on top five, top six teams with the most cap space this summer to spend outside of any of the uh, the one team that I, I think I could focus on the most as far as maybe going after him is the Atlanta Hawks and that just depends on what they do uh, with the top their top three pick and if maybe Luka Doncic is still available at there at number three um, that would completely wipe them away because they're going to have their shooting guard to go to but if they go with a big man there they like it's not out of the realm of possibility that they talk to Zach Levine and see what he is looking like but like you had said if the Bulls if Atlanta Hawks want to sign him to a max off and the Bulls are going to re-sign him anyway, so that's what it sounds like. Uh, so yeah, if you're worried at all that Zach Levine's going to walk away or the Bulls are not going to re-sign him, I don't think you really have anything to worry about. If the Hawks want to sign Zach Levine to a max contract, the Hawks need to look themselves in the mirror and ask themselves what the F they're doing. Well, they need to do that anyway because considering their attendance... I guess that would just be them steering even harder into the tank that they're enduring right now. <laughs> We're going we're gonna to give this guy a whole lot of money, and we don't know if he's any good. And uh, even though the draft lottery system is changing, we're still going to just bank on another top three pick next year. Ready, set, go team. All right, we got to take a short break here on Lockdown Bulls. When we come back, we're doing mailbag. we got a couple voicemails to get to, as well as a bunch of text and questions. Remember, you can hit us up at 331-979-1369 for all of your questions. Hit us up on social media at Lockdown Bulls, at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck as well. Stay right here with us at Locked On Bulls. Be back in 60 seconds. All right, welcome back into Locked On Bulls. Matt Peck and Jordan Malley hanging out with you on a Wednesday. And it is time for our weekly mailbag segment 
Just a reminder, 331-979-1369. Send us your texts and voicemails, and we will address your questions and comments on the show every Wednesday of every week of every month of every year. All right, this first one comes to us from the 312. Hey, guys, what do you think of the talks in Boston? Is there any chance the Bulls sniff around and toss Kyrie a deal? Let the next season lapse and see how he does and then maybe offer him a max. I have no problem tossing him a super max deal if we win big in this draft. What do you think? Jordan, I'll let you take that one. All right, so I don't think Kyrie Irving is going anywhere. If Boston is serious about Kawhi Leonard and they very mel- they very might be especially this summer there was a report out there that said that the Boston Celtics had offered up a deal in order to get Kawhi at the trade deadline that ended up fizzling out with the Spurs but uh I don't think Kyrie's going anywhere even even with all of the talk about oh if they make the finals will Kyrie be jealous and that didn't end up happening and taking them to game seven I think if if I'm Kyrie Irving I take a look around at that Boston Celtics team and say you know what I don't know where I could have it made better than here right now still even with how good Jason Tatum played and how good Jalen Brown played in the playoffs both of those guys and with Gordon Hayward only playing a handful of minutes this entire season I look around that that team and that's still Kyrie Irving's team. So why would he go anywhere else when Boston next year, at least at the early projections, is the favorite to win the East? And now that depends on where LeBron James decides to go. But outside of them in the 76ers, why would you go anywhere else? I, I just I wouldn't understand that. Look, I like Kyrie Irving a lot. And if we were talking about this two years ago when Jimmy Butler was still here and like I brought that up on yesterday's show. If Jimmy Butler was still here and we were looking to add another piece, like Kyrie Irving would be at the top of my list. And to top all of that off, the knee problems concern me. And he's had multiple knee problems and he's, what, 25, 26 years old? I'm still concerned with that, too. And you pair that with signing Zach Levine to a lot of money this summer, and we still don't even know what he has. And then if you take Michael Porter Jr. with a back injury this summer, too, at number seven, like we're, we're talking about piecemealing together a bunch of players with a lot of injury history together. Look, I love Kyrie Irving's game. I just don't think he's going anywhere. Uh Let me add a couple other pieces to this discussion. Pretty much, uh, I agree with everything you said. Kyrie is under contract next year with the Celtics and is going to make $20 million. And, you know, the most recent report from ESPN, and that might be what you were alluding to, is the fact that Kyrie is saying he's not focused on an extension right now. He's focused on getting healthy and helping the Celtics compete for a championship next year. I think people are misinterpreting this latest post saying, oh, Kyrie's not worried about an extension, is not talking about an extension. doesn't mean he wants to leave Boston, so I'm with you there. Um, other thing, Kyrie thinks the earth is flat. Stay the hell away from Chicago, you silly, silly moron. Um, I don't, he, he also seems like a diva to me. You, I mean, I get the whole like not wanting to play under Le- LeBron in LeBron's shadow, whatever, whatever. But the whole way that he handled himself in that situation just kind of seems to me like he's one of the bigger divas in the league. Yeah, it's a hell of a player, but he's a diva and he thinks the earth is flat. So I'm not, I'm not sold. Also, a quick clarification uh, for our texture here at the three one two saying I have no problem tossing Kyrie a supermax deal. The Bulls can't offer. Kyrie a supermax deal. The supermax deal, that's a phrase that gets tossed around a lot, is specifically in regard to the new designated player exception of the new CBA, 
which states that a player meeting certain qualifications of all NBA team, all defensive team, MVP, or some combination of two in three years of those honors can be offered a super max deal with a whatever it is, like 35% of the team's total salary cap annually with 8% annual increases only by the team that drafted them. Did the Bulls draft Kyrie Irving? No, they did not. So just a quick clarification there. The Bulls could offer Kyrie the four-year max deal that any other non-team that drafted Kyrie could offer him, but that super max deal is not is not even in the conversation. All right, this question comes from the 847. This is a little bit of a hypothetical scenario, Matt. I know you how much you love these, especially around draft time, but it says... Hey guys, potential scenario for you. If the Knicks, somebody like the Knicks or the 76ers really want Trey Young or Michael Porter Jr. and they fall to number seven, would you call up the New York Knicks or one of these teams and what would you ask for, especially to move down a couple spots in the draft? If, if the Bulls are really high on somebody like Mikael Bridges, what would it take for the Bulls to move down a couple spots and to trade away somebody like Trey Young or Michael Porter Jr.? And in this case, what would you ask for in return? Why would the Bulls do this? And what could be the benefit of moving down maybe a couple spots if you really do think Mikael Bridges is the guy or somebody else that you feel like might fall down a few spots? What do you think about this, Matt? Um, my initial gut reaction is that I don't know what the Knicks would really have to offer that the Bulls would want and what the Knicks would realistically offer to move up two spots. It's two spots, right? The Knicks are ninth. Um, Yeah, so whereas the Bulls may not be super high on the remaining talent pool at seven and say that the top six shake out in a way that the Bulls are really bummed out that uh, all the guys that they had highest on their board are gone, and maybe they would be open to the idea of trading down a couple of spots. I mean, do you see the Knicks who are currently going through their own rebuild and trying to build around an injured Chris Dapps Porzingis in a position to trade away draft picks? Because I don't. And I think that the Knicks would, you know, I, I think in that scenario, the asking price that the Bulls would want to trade down and what the Knicks would be willing to give the Bulls to trade up, I think the gap there would be too large. I don't care any scenarios or any hypotheticals that you throw out. I think that there would be too big of a gap between what the Bulls would demand to trade down and what the Knicks would be willing to sacrifice to move up. That's simple as that. That's how I see it happen. Yeah, and I know the Bulls front office, the time and time again we've said it, they don't really give a shit what the fans have to say about who they draft or what they do. The one thing I, I it, that comes to my mind is if Michael Porter Jr. or Trey Young is available at number seven, and say for this scenario, the Bulls take Michael Porter Jr., and they decide to turn around and trade him right away or trade that spot in order to draft Michael Porter Jr. for the Knicks. Can you imagine the outrage? Can you just imagine the outrage from the fan base? Uh, yeah, I can. I know this fan base very well. <laughs> so to me, I, I think that would be another move that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, and I think... In order for the Bulls to move down a couple spots, like you said, I don't even know what the Knicks have in terms of what they would give the Bulls in return. And don't even come to me and talk about supplementing a guy like Emmanuel Moutier as part of a deal to move down a couple spots. Don't give me another retread uh, point guard that has potential or had potential two or three years ago and hasn't had it work out. Don't even come to me with a scenario like that because I want nothing to do with it. And and the specific... The specific hypothetical that we are getting here from the 847 texture is that the so the Bulls and Knicks swap 7-9 this year. 
and the Knicks give the Bulls the right to trade first-round picks, so the right to swap first-rounders the next two years. So 2019 and 2020, the Bulls would get the right to swap with the Knicks in their first-round pick, their first-round picks, and in addition to that, the Knicks give the Bulls a second-round pick. I, I mean... I, if if you give that proposal to a Knicks fan, they're going to tell you to quit smoking all that weed. Like that's the, <laughs> no way in hell the Knicks are doing that. The, like the Knicks, who knows? The Knicks might have much better lottery positioning than the Bulls over the next two seasons. Especially if Chris Dapp sits out all of next season. What does that team have? Why why would the Knicks give the Bulls pick swap rights in two straight first rounds to move up two spots? That to me, that is ludicrous. Yeah, I think I'm with you there. So appreciate the thought, and like it, it is certainly a possibility that if guys that the Bulls have one, two, three on their list are gone already, at one through six, maybe they do look to move down a little bit if they feel like they can get a team to move up a couple spots and it's advantageous if they really like Mikael Bridges. But uh, more likely than not, that's probably not going to happen. Um, and like you said, the Knicks, I don't think I don't think would be even remotely interested in having to give up more future assets in order to take one of these guys. Because I, I think you still have to figure out whether or not when Kristaps Porzingis comes back, how he plays and how he develops after a devastating knee injury last year. So I think they have a lot of questions just as much as the Bulls have a lot of questions right now. Hey, what's going on? This is DBS. Uh was calling because of a recent listener to you guys. I love the content you're giving, but I wanted to ask the question. Who is your favorite Bulls scrub? Now, this is just a role player, somebody who really didn't do much as well in way of like wins, but just you love the guy. Um, I'm it kind of dates you, but I distinctly remember when I started going to Bulls games that uh, when the Bulls were ahead, they would start chanting for Granville Waiters to get to the game. The journeyman didn't really do much for the Bulls, but we loved it when he was in the game because we know that if the coach put him in the game, we were going for a win. So you can tell me who exactly is your favorite pool scrub. Y'all take it easy. Love your show. All right, this is a really fascinating question and kind of a fun one, too. And Bulls fans, if you want to chime in with us, too, and you're listening to us talk about this question, you can hit us up at 331-979-1369. Matt, I had to start right away with one guy. If, if we're talking about scrubs, and I wouldn't really even call him a scrub because he was a journeyman in the NBA for a really long time, but at the time that he played with the Bulls, he was 35 years old, and I'm talking about our boy, Nazi Muhammad. Oh, Not, dude, he was on my list too. Nazi sure. Muhammad, definitely number one, and I would say number one because of just the pure fact of what he did in the NBA playoffs. He absolutely baby LeBron James. Swallowed up. Players losing their cool and their poise here over what seems to be normal NBA fouls. James shoved Muhammad. That's why the technical foul was called. And then Muhammad shoved James down. It'll be interesting to see if they throw Muhammad out because James fell down. That's just a foul. And I think that made him a hero in in some instances back in those playoffs for Bulls fans. He was one of my favorite players just because of that. Uh, LeBron in the Miami Heat, I hated him. Just the shove of LeBron alone in that playoff game. 
is it like I will forever have a soft spot in my heart for Nazi Muhammad. Just that one moment alone, because LeBron James deserves to be shoved to the ground every now and then, and not many people in the NBA have the guts to do it. Nazi Muhammad got in the game and only played two minutes and 31 seconds before being ejected after pushing LeBron. So this was uh, definitely the the number one and probably the only one that I could really think of uh, that correlates to favorite scrub of all time. Who do you have on your uh, list? So I made a long list. Um, uh, this is probably my favorite voicemail uh, question that we've gotten so far. So shout out to you, sir. Um, and so again, like you said, it depends on what your definition of scrub is. Scrub role player, like is he bad or is he just a bench guy that doesn't get a whole lot of minutes or a whole lot of accolades? So I'm I'm going to go back to starting from the original three P team of the early '90s. And I'm going to work closer to present day, and I'm just going to rattle these off. JoJo English and Scott Williams on the original 3P team. Scotty Williams, not a great basketball talent, but a big bruiser and a great personality with a great smile off the bench. Moving into the mid-90s, Pete Myers, still with the organization. Dickie Simpkins, love that dude. Uh, late or late 90s, 3P, a couple of bench guys I really liked. Jason Caffey, Scott Burrell, Judd Bushler, and of course, now on Bulls Radio, Bill Wennington. How could you not love that dude and his automatic baseline 14 or 15 foot jumper dude never missed from the baseline it was great and he also was really good at dunking the ball when he was the only person in the paint on a bulls fast break uh moving into like the the post dynasty baby bulls years andres nocioni not a scrub dude could play but i loved the fact that he absolutely played above his talent level every night Gennaro pargo another one of my all-time faves and then how about on that 0809 team that had that epic series with Boston in the first round, John Salmons. Like, dude came out of nowhere and was like near a 30-point-per-game score for the Bulls in that playoff series. Dude was not anybody's, wow, this guy's really talented. Who are your best players in the league? Who are your second-tier really good players in the league? Salmons came out of nowhere and balled real hard for the Bulls in the late aught 2000s. Of course, we have to mention the best victory cigar in human form that the Bulls have ever seen, and that's Brian Scalabrini. I got an autographed Scal in a Bulls jersey photo hanging on my wall right now. He was, for two seasons, Tom Thibodeau's human form victory cigar. The chance at the Madhouse, Scalabrini, when the Bulls are up 20, great, amazing, nothing better. John Lucas III, another amazing bench mob addition in the Tom Thibodeau years. You mentioned Nazi. How about another old NBA journeyman who had a great season with the Bulls at the end of his career? Kurt Thomas coming off the bench of that 10-11 squad that went to the conference finals. Thomas. Dude, me and a buddy went to a Bulls-Bucks game that season, and it just so happened that that night, Kurt Thomas decided that he was the best player on the floor. And Dwayne Wade and LeBron James and Chris Bosh and Derrick Rose and Joe Keem and all these people. Kurt Thomas put up a double-double with like 26 points, 13 rebounds, and he shot like 10 to 13 from the field. It was amazing. Uh, and then, of course, uh, to round out my list of favorite NBA or favorite Bulls scrubs, Dwayne Wade. Get out of here. <laughs> Dwayne Wade as a Bulls scrub. So you brought up a couple interesting names. Scrub. Andres Nocioni. I feel like he would be, if we're talking about gritty players, I think he would be definitely in the category of grit more so than like a scrubby player. And I feel like that's where we can kind of uh, correlate these two as far as scrub, maybe more of a gritty player that was on these teams. Uh, Somebody else that came up to me, it came up uh, as far as a name and somebody that I forgot even played on the Bulls for just a short time, 25 games with Vladimir Radmanovich. 
a hilarious name. I loved listening, oh, yeah. listening and hearing him come <laughs> off the bench. Uh, a dude that scored under five points per game, and I think his career high was about 8.6 points per game. Had a, had a decent career. I mean, played seven or eight seasons. Um, the Bulls had some weird guys towards the end of their bench. Um, talking about guys like Daquan Cook and players like... You had brought up John Selmans, which I, I think is one of those guys that just was a flash in the pan for the Bulls and like didn't make a whole lot of sense when he came in and he was one of those guys that I felt like was like Bulls fans missed we swung and missed on a bunch of top free agents and they were like all right we're getting John Selmans here and then he goes off like you said he was a baller that year it was unbelievable so there's plenty of guys that the Bulls have had over the years as far as favorite scrub goes but uh you listed off plenty of those I think Nazi Muhammad and obviously Brian Scalabrini nobody could forget about that I that was the first person that came to my mind when uh we heard this voicemail and I was like "Eh, that's too easy it's too easy of a one but he was also the same for it's too easy but it's also definitely like the right answer if you're if you're talking about favorite Bulls scrub like I I feel if you put out a poll 90% of Bulls fans would say Scal but that is but that is like most more recent years as Bulls scrubs I went, you know, I went as far back as the the original three P team, and like, you know, I bet if you did some digging, you could find some some great scrubs players from the the late sixties and seventies through the eighties. But some of the guys that too, uh, Brian Scalabrini does the Boston Celtics play by play, or not play by play, but the color for them too, and he's an entertaining guy, man. And he, I know he's playing in the big three again this summer. Um, so that should be definitely entertaining as well. So if you still want to see Scal, he'll be playing in the big three. I believe that's coming to Chicago again. So keep an eye out for that this summer. But definitely a great voicemail. Love to hear from it. So thanks for the call. All right, final mailbag question as we wrap up here. This one comes from the 870. It says, this recent news of the Bulls not spending $10,000 for an international camp is odd, and I know some people are upset at the front office for being cheap, but one thing that they have not been cheap on is putting a stupid advertisement on the jerseys, and I really appreciate that. I love the Bulls jerseys, and I would hate if they ever put an ugly ad on it. I also wouldn't be surprised, but they haven't yet, so I thank them for not being cheap on that. This is an interesting one, because I feel like the Bulls are the Bulls the only team now without an advertisement on their jersey? If they're not the only team, then there's probably only a handful in the league that haven't made a deal with some company to advertise on their jerseys. But I think my my answer here is I think the Bulls are waiting for the right representation to put on that logo. And let's be honest, outside of the, the Knicks and the Lakers and probably Golden State, the Bulls are probably the most coveted of those advertisements to have on those jerseys. What do you think about this? Yeah, um, so it's sort of a split around the league right now. I don't think the Bulls are the only team that still don't have them on there. Um, and some of them are simple. Some of them are just like the T-Wolves ones just have like the Nike swoosh in, in the top right chest corner. And some of them are bad. Um, like the Pistons have a Flagstar Bank patch on their jersey now, which is just like, ew. Um, uh, Warriors are adding one. Roku 10, whatever the heck that is. Um the Celtics have the the GE logo, which just looks so out of place on a classic kit Celtics jersey. Uh, the Cavs are adding that Goodyear flying foot logo. I, I mean, it was only a matter of time before this happened in the NBA. It's been going on in Euro soccer and all sorts of professional soccer leagues across the world for you know decades. Um, and of course, uh, you know, like even other U.S. 
professional sports leagues that maybe need the money, like the MLS is doing it too. I would not want anything to happen to the Bulls jerseys. They're classic. They're one of the few things the organization has done right in recent years is leaving them be while other teams try to jazz up or simplify in an aesthetically pleasing way New Jersey logos, and they all just turn out ugly and gross. Um, if the Bulls do end up going with an ad somewhere, I just hope it, it is simple and not obtrusive to the Jersey, um, and hopefully it's something local. You know, like if if Portillo's wanted to put a little hot dog decal on the Bulls jerseys, I'd be fine with it. That would be so cool, honestly. So there's 19 teams right now that have advertisements on their jerseys, so that leaves 11 teams without them. And that's not to say that there aren't deals in place, too, for next season. Um, I feel like what these teams around the NBA are trying to do is partner with a a sort of a brand that makes sense with their city you look at you had named off a few already but you look at like the new orleans pelicans and zatarans like that is the perfect combination the orlando magic and disney that is the perfect combination the milwaukee bucks and harley davidson harley davidson being founded in milwaukee in wisconsin perfect combination they have their headquarters there uh, a couple others bumble being a part of los angeles clippers being on there the dating app that was founded in la so that's perfect for them StubHub being with the 76ers that makes a lot of sense squarespace being with the knicks all of these companies were founded in these cities or have a big influence in these cities so maybe it's more so that the bulls are looking for a potential partner that makes a whole lot of sense and that's got a quality historic brand to them like the Chicago Bulls do look let's look like if we're talking about the Chicago Bulls here we know that they love money they they love money and it if a deal came into place where the Bulls could sign a deal with a company that's going to pay them big time dollars believe me they are going to do it so I think they're just waiting for that right opportunity and that right company that wants to pay them a shitload of money in order to to advertise my advertise on their jerseys and look I don't have any problem with the advertisements I think the way that they've been placed on the jerseys i think it it integrates well with the jerseys they're still subtle like even if it's an ugly logo it's still just like in the top you know top corner of the jersey like it's just a tiny little patch as opposed to like i was saying you know in in euroleague soccer the ad takes up more space than the actual team name um front and back most of the time so you know they're starting small which you know is what you would hope for. You don't want NBA jerseys all of a sudden. Instead of Bulls across the front, it says Windrush oh across the it. front, and then in small, tiny letters, it says Bulls on the back. Like that would be terrible. So yeah, very interesting question. I know that a lot of Bulls fans appreciate that, but if I had to place my bets, I'm assuming that in the near future, there's probably going to be a deal in place. I think the Bulls are just waiting for the right opportunity and the right company to pair with here in Chicago. So very interesting question, and thanks for the question. Thanks for all the questions today on Locked on Bulls Mailbag. We're going to roll over some of these questions for tomorrow. We didn't get a chance to get to all of those, so make sure you stay tuned for tomorrow's episode. We're going to do a whole ton more of questions from you guys. You can send in the questions at 331-979-1369 or hit us up on social media on Facebook or at Locked on Bulls on Twitter. All of your questions there, we'll try to get to as many as we can on tomorrow's episode. But that's going to about do it here on Locked on Bulls. Remember, we're live on Dash Radio, Dash Radio.com and the Dash Radio app on the Nothing But Net channel. We're live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. That's tomorrow morning. 
10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. Remember, we're doing a live Reddit AMA tomorrow, 2 p.m. Eastern, 1, 1 p.m. Central Time. That's on the NBA Reddit's official page, so reddit.com NBA. You'll find it pinned at the top of the profile, so it's very easy to find. If you guys want to be a part of the discussion, see what other teams are saying, we're going to be there with about a handful of other teams, too, answering questions about draft picks and general NBA questions and general questions about every team there between 7 and 13. So definitely play along with us. We'd love to hear from you guys as well. Once again, 2 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Central Time tomorrow on Reddit, as well as everything that we're doing over at Lockdown NBA. Our episode will play tomorrow and some of the teams that are playing before us. If you want to hear picks 1 through 6, that episode is out right now on Lockdown NBA. So go ahead and download that episode. You can hear all the reaction. Maybe you want to hear why the Grizzlies took Trey Young at 4, why the Orlando Magic took Wendell Carter Jr. at number six, and the possibility of maybe trading up with Dallas too. They'll they'll probably talk about that as well, offering us a deal for Bobby Portis, which we said absolutely not to. So listen to all of that on Locked On NBA. Our episode is coming to, on tomorrow's episode. So all of those picks seven through fourteen will be tomorrow's episode. So make sure you're tuned in, subscribe to Locked On NBA as well as Locked On Bulls here. But that's gonna about do it for Jordan Malley and for Matt Peck. We are out, Bulls Nation. Have a wonderful day. We'll be back tomorrow with a fresh episode for Jordan and Matt we are out deuces locked on bulls a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best bulls news and stories around the NBA locked on bulls is live on dash radio every Tuesday Thursday and Saturday starting at 10 a.m. Eastern 9 a.m. Central for more content and to stay up to date head over to lockedonbulls.com part of FanRag Sports.